Welcome to a ride on the outside. MMA is full of people on the inside, but what about the ones that watch from beyond? Welcome to the MMA Outsiders with Tom Albano and Zan Bando on the Empty the Bench Podcast Network. And it's time for another edition of the MMA Outsiders, and we are coming on one heck of a weekend. I'm Tom Bando, that's Sam Bando. This is episode 29 of the MMA Outsiders here on the Young Kid Podcast Network. Huge UFC 285 this past weekend, and I really enjoyed all of the action that we had, whether it be the John Jones fight, whether it be the amazing upset we had with Alexa Grasso becoming the new women's flyweight champion. And then, of course, we've got a Grand Prix that's starting this weekend. We've got a very big bantamweight matchup for the UFC. So we got a lot that we got to get to. Before we get to anything, make sure you hit that like button. Make sure to subscribe. Hit that notification bell so you get notified of everything here on the Empty the Bench Network. Every episode of the MMA Outsiders, of Empty the Bench, Fruity Cereal, Game On, and so much more. Make sure to... You know, subscribe to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at ETB Network. Make sure to go to etbpodcast.com, the new website for the Empty the Bench uh, Network. Make sure to follow us across social media. Uh, that's Sam Bando. You can find his work over at bjpen.com. Anton Albano, you can find my work over at Fansided MMA. All right, Sam, let's just jump right into it. We had a very crazy card this past weekend, Zan. I think, and I said it in the, uh, I said in the moment of mayhem at the very end. I said that I think this card, UFC 285, will have will be in contention, Zan, at the end of the year for UFC card of the year, and it all capped off with the return of one John Bones Jones and Zan. I mean. He looked like he didn't lose a, he didn't lose a step. In just two minutes, he submits Cyril Gaon. First fight in three years, and he is the UFC heavyweight champion. He becomes just the eighth fighter in UFC history to win championships in two different weight divisions. The third to do it at heavyweight and light heavyweight. You had Randy Couture. You had Daniel Cormier, who was the simultaneous champ. And now John Jones joins this illustrious group. Zan. What were your thoughts on the fight? Were you shocked, just like I was, that he was able to submit Cyril Gaon so quickly? Um, I was personally not shocked. I knew that Jones would win the fight. I just didn't know how quickly he would he would dispatch of Cyril Gaon. Um, I'd say, so I mixed. I'd say I was shocked and not shocked. Shocked in the way he won the fight, but not shocked that he won the fight, if and if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I I thought John Jones was going to win this fight, too. I had said that, you know, once uh, Francis Ngannou was subbed out after, obviously, he left the promotion and Cyril Ghosn was placed in, I said this was a better matchup for Jones. Uh, I said that this was a kind of a mirror fight with how, length, with how the two are body-wise. Now, I did get a little concerned earlier this week when I saw John Jones' body, how it looked more... You know, around the tummy, it looked a little more fat than it did muscle. But, I mean, this is still the John Jones that we know from 
years ago where he basically wiped the floor where he basically wiped the floor of everybody now granted his uh second stint as the light heavyweight champion was not good and that was a little bit of a cause for concern in this fight but i mean after he took the first strike of the fight which was a kick to the balls and we had to stop for that uh after that he just he took gone down and he managed to get Zan a guillotine choke while Cyril Gon was sitting up. Yeah, it's something that you only ever see very rarely in MMA, and it reminded me of when Jones beat Machida, except he was in slightly a different position. Uh, did that fight come to your mind when that was occurring? Yeah, I mean that, but that that was a little different. That was a choke where they were kind of you know leaning against the cage. This one. This I I rarely, if ever, have seen somebody get a guillotine while they're sitting on top of them. Like the guy is, and in this case, God is sitting up, seated up, and the choke is placed around the neck that way. The guillotine is placed around the neck that way. But I mean, the minute that this fight went to the ground, Zan, it just seemed like Gone had no answer. Like like. We saw Gon struggle a little bit when it came to the ground game, when it came against Francis Ngannou. But, I mean, you know, is this, you know, just praiseworthy of Jones for all that he has been able to do, you know, in his, in his first fight in three years? Or is there some sort of concern about Gon that he just, he's not good on the ground? Um, No, I don't, no, I don't think it's that. I just think simply Jones is... In, uh, is is in a class of his own, and that's why he was able to win so easily. I mean that that, I mean we have seen gone. You know we have seen him pretty decent when it comes when it comes to his ground game. Uh yeah, I think this is a case of that. John Jones is just John Jones. We have seen him torch through plenty of competition over the last decade long, where he where he dominated the 205-pound division. And now he makes quick work of Cyril Gaon. Uh I definitely have to give my props to John Jones in that, that this was the kind of performance that he needed to make a statement. And, Zan, it now brings up once again this question that we debated last week. And we said that was definitely going to come up again in the case of a win. Is John Jones now officially the greatest of all time in this sport after winning at you the after winning the heavyweight title at UFC 285. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about it. I mean, if you look at Khabib Nurmagomedov, he's 29 and 0, but as you and I have discussed several times on this program, who did he really beat until he fought Dustin Poirier? You know what I mean? If you look at the legends that Jones has fought over the course of his title run, you look down the list and it's literally champion, former champion, or future champion, or future title challenger in literally every single fight. You can't say that about very few fighters, maybe Jordan St. Pierre, maybe Anderson Silva, but I truly think the way Jones has dominated the sport over the course of a decade puts him in a class of its own, and I don't even think this is a debate. He is number one, and his records will never be broken. So, I'm actually trying to pull up a tweet. Oh, here it is. So, uh, Sean Sheehan, a couple of hours before we uh, went on the air, Zan, 
said that basically there's just four names that can be debated for greatest of all time at this point, and that's John Jones, George St. Pierre, Anderson Silva, and Demetrius Johnson. And I would say, Zan, at this point, I think you can only really narrow it down to John Jones and George St. Pierre. Uh, our boy Drake Riggs actually tweeted something out just uh, you know, in the immediate aftermath of UFC 285 over the weekend saying, here's what it comes down to at this point, Zan. If you think that out of the octagon issues, like the legal issues, the drug issues that John Jones has faced, if you are to take any of that into account for the title of greatest of all time, at this point, you have to go with George St. Pierre. If you do not count any of that, then at this point, you have to go with John Jones. The kind of performance, the kind of domination that he put on John Jones. And now to say, you know, to join an elite group of fighters then who have won UFC championships in two different weight classes. At this point, it's like, in my mind, solid. Yeah, she is 100% right to break it down from that perspective, and I think it's the only logistical answer, considering that if you even consider Anderson Silva, you have to remember he did get popped for steroids later in his career, so that kind of leaves him out of the top two discussion, in my opinion, and Anderson Silva didn't come back off of a three-year layoff like GSP did to win a belt in another division's. So therefore, you have to look at it from that perspective as well. I think what Sheehan tweeted is 1,000% right and uh, the, nail, the, the, the nail on the head, if you will. And the sad part is, Dan, because we're talking about Khabib, I think Khabib could have been a fifth person. He could be a fifth person in this conversation, but I think he now obviously respected a man and his family values and, the promise, and upholding the promise that he made to his mom following his dad's passing. But I think it left his career a little too short. That there's a lot of more of what could have been with Khabib is that we can't really put him in that same class as a Jones, a GSP, or a Mighty Mouse. Agreed. Now, speaking of Mighty Mouse, I know this discussion is on is Jones the GOAT, but or as, as the MMA meme goes, where does Kevin Lee fall into this conversation? <laughs> Where does where does Demetrius Johnson fit into the greatest of all time conversation? I, I thought you were going to really seriously ask me where is Kevin Lee fit into all this. So I'm like, uh, he probably falls at number uh, one hundred and ninety seven. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, for for Kevin Lee's sake, sure. But would you say Demetrius Johnson is top ten still? Greatest of all time. I think, Zan, I think if there is a face, Zan, I think if there is a face of the flyweight division still to this very day, it is Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. I mean, the run that he had in the UFC, now granted, he had the knockout loss with one championship, but now he is their champion. And yes, you can say, oh, well, one championship, everything is 10 pounds heavier. You know, they're technically bantamweights, but it is a flyweight title, so... Dan, it, it, it is the fair argument to say that to this day, to this day, to this day, thank you, Deontay, that Demetrius Johnson, all right, enough, that Demetrius Johnson 
uh, is still the face of the flyweight division in terms of just not the UFC, but just MMA, the sport in general. And I would be remiss to say, Zan, that I would consider him probably number three on this list because, again, Khabib kind of ended his run too early. And Anderson Silva, not just the fact that Anderson Silva got popped for steroids because obviously John Jones had his drug issues too, but, you know, Anderson Silva, after that loss to Weidman, he comes back and after he fails the drug test that overturns his win against uh, Nick Diaz, you just see... Oh, hang on, my, my, my hand was like... Like, his career just took an absolute nosedive. For sure. Um, okay, so I have to I have to ask you I have to ask you this question because now I think we've established that Jones is the GOAT and we and we both agree. Um there's a guy out there, Tom, you may have heard of him. He's a he's a he's a Midwesterner. He's from he's from Cleveland. He's wait he's been waiting in the wings for a couple years. And now that the heavyweight division's a little clearer, the one, the only Steve Miocic is back into the mix here. And now we're gonna get the super fight of all super fights. The former, uh, the former uh, goat um, in the in the heavyweight division, if you will. Some will still say that he is the greatest heavyweight ever versus the new number one greatest of all time. Uh, goat versus goat. Question mark at UFC 290 in July to headline UFC X and UFC International Fight Week. Are you yay or nay on this potential possibility? Yay. Zan, this, I cannot believe it, Zan, but for the second time, Steve Amiochik waits in the wings and refuses nothing but another championship fight. And it pays <laughs> off. The first time... You know, first he does this when Daniel Cormier is negotiating with Brock Lesnar and those deals fall through and he swoops in and ends up winning back the heavyweight championship. And now here he is two years. He hasn't fought in two years because he's been waiting, you know, after losing his championship to Francis for another shot. And then Francis leaves the promotion. And then all of a sudden, Zan, the leverage that Fran- that Stipe had goes from down here on the ground so up here, and now the fact that John Jones has topped Cyril Gaon, and Cyril Gaon is out of the picture, there's only one clear person for John Jones to fight, and that is Stipe Miocic. And and you know what? And I was thinking, Zan, all this time, it's like you know, oh, we easily think that Jones is one, and I do think Jones is one now when it comes to goat status. Uh, he's number one now again in the UFC pound per pound rankings. He's one fight back in three years. And he's already number one again. Um, and as far as uh, Stipe goes, I mean, it kind of, again, pays off that he waited this whole time. Uh, and now, but considering, Zan, that Stipe, you know, he's the only UFC heavyweight to defend the championship successfully more than twice and has had the reins that he has had at heavyweight. I mean... It's fair. It would be a fair argument to say that Stipe is still the best at heavyweight, which does not put Jones' status, you know, goat status into question. But on the flip, and sorry to do more on the flips, but it, I'm thinking in my head, is this kind of goalpost moving for Jones? It's like, okay, first you gotta, you know, beat, you know, first you gotta 
first you got to move up to heavyweight, and he does. Okay, now you got to win that UFC heavyweight championship, and he does. Are we going to continue to move the goalpost back and say, okay, now you're only going to be the GOAT if you beat Steve Miocic? Uh, I don't know if it's about that, because obviously GOAT's a matter of opinion, right? So therefore, you don't exactly know like where people sit on that. But what I can tell you is this. No matter what, you hate John Jones, you love John Jones. I'm sort of in the middle, okay? Because um, I'll be honest with you, I I'll be honest with you. Um, mm-hmm. I have this I have this stipulation that you know you look at you always gotta look at fighters from two sides. You gotta look at it from the in the cage stuff and the out of cage stuff. I think you, so, you're you're able to separate the two, in other words. Yeah, exactly. Just how just as I feel about power slap and all the other controversial things that go on with this crazy sport i'm able to separate all that when you when you separate it and really look at really look at the numbers of is you know is jones moving the goalpost you know and as much as people don't like him i truly think that john jones is moving the goalpost he is a revolution in a way that i don't think people realize he goes in and dominates light heavyweight for 10 years something that no man on the face of the planet has been able to do in any promotion what will the UFC number one? Then he goes in and it's like, yeah, I can move up to heavyweight and I can have uh, their heavyweight champion essentially walk away from the sport because I'm because I'm so powerful and I want to be able to control everything. And I'm not saying that Jones used his power to do it, but he is so good that he's making other champions almost not be scared of him, but they're making they're making him be like, oh. This guy is so legit that he can take over any division that he so chooses because he's literally that good. So I think in terms of moving the goalpost, yes, he's doing things that no UFC fighter has ever done before. And you just have to give him props because I think he's the, I think he's one of the few fighters who, who can do it successfully and is doing it successfully. So when I was saying moving the goalpost, I meant that media people or fans or whoever are moving the goalposts so in other words are we at the point now where it's like okay yeah you're the heavyweight champion but now you have to beat steve baby to be the goat which i think is a little ridiculous only because that steve i think I, I i think so too because jones has already won the heavyweight title so it's like he just won the heavyweight title now you're asking him to fight the greatest heavyweight that the ufc's ever seen and it's like if you win, it's a legacy fight. If you lose and it's exciting, who really cares? Because you know you're still you're still a part of one of the biggest fights ever. So I would say no. Anybody who thinks that oh you need to be the goat now because you got to beat Stipe, I think is I think is a little bit too far fetched in my opinion. You brought up, by the way, uh, Francis Ngannou. We uh, well, technically we both brought him up as he uh, left the promotion. Zan, uh, during the post-fight press conference, you saw Francis Ngannou put out a tweet basically saying, congratulations, Johnny Boy, from the true undisputed king of this division. And uh, John Jones took to the microphone afterwards at the post-fight press conference and basically said, he basically called Francis Ngannou a five-letter word that begins with P. Yeah, um, and not only did he use that five-letter word once, he used it twice in a span of 15 seconds. Yes. Said, all that muscle and you're a 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, thoughts on the tweet from Francis? Thoughts on Jones's response? Yeah, the tweet from Francis was comedic gold. What did you What did you think? I thought <laughs> I thought I thought good shot, good shot. I mean, it, it's two months. However, we're still waiting to figure out what the hell's going to be next for Francis and Yanu. So, hey, hey, I'm going to say I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. Did you or did you not watch Dana White's pre-fight scrub on Friday? Yeah, where he says he's never going to be in the UFC ever again. Yeah, so I'm, I'm making a prediction right now. You heard it here first. <laughs> By November, sincerely yours, the heavyweight king, is going to be is going to be back in the UFC because he's going to realize he has nowhere else to go. Oh. So, I was about to play the Know You Moron clip, but the fact of the matter is that at the end, you put that caveat in there because there's no one nowhere else to go i mean we've heard the rumors about francis Ngannou going into boxing we've heard the rumors about potential fights with tyson fury and with uh derek chisora but none of that has been unfolding and we've heard the rumors that, you know we we played the mix and match at the time of his release saying you know maybe the pfl with their super fight division might come swooping in but at this point you know is this is this the nightmare? Is this part of this a nightmare scenario now for Francis Ngannou? Uh, no. I think this is going to work out to his benefit because whoever wins this fight, his next fight back is going to be, is assuming it's back in the UFC, is going to be like one of the biggest fu tours we've ever we've ever seen. And I'm just I'm, telling you, Dana White has said on several occasions that things would never happen. The most famous example being that women would never fight in the right. UFC. Which, 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 by the way, which, by the way, Sam, which just passed the ten-year anniversary of. Right, of of letting women into the UFC. Yeah, of the of the first fight of Ronda Rousey, Liz Camouche. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. So, if Dana White says no, there's a good chance it's probably happening <laughs> because. <laughs> Because when was it? When was the last time that Dana White said no, something wasn't going to happen, um, and it and it and it happened within like five months later. It happens almost every two weeks. Hey, <laughs> the Oscar, the only promise. Well, I don't even know what to say much promise of never being in the UFC, but uh, Fedor. I say the only missed missing the boat kind of uh, circumstance that I can think of is Fedor. Right. right. And that's the only fighter they've never been able to sign. Exactly. Which is is pretty crazy. Um, And I will will say this, though, for Mm -hmm. Cyril Gunn, his stock went way up, and I think it made him even a bigger superstar because he was in that fight, in my opinion. Well, hopefully he's going to need some form of win in his next fight. And hopefully we find out more information on that fight sooner or later. Zan... However, that was not the only big championship fight. So, in I think, Zan, what's going to end up being already, you know, this is an early prediction, that this will be the upset of 2023. Alexa Grasso is the new UFC Women's Flyweight Champion, choking out Valentina Shevchenko in the fourth round of their co-main event. Yeah, this was a shocking upset, which leads me to pull up something that I saw after the fact that made my mind boggling, I'm going to tell you what it is in a second. 
this was related to it. Did you hear about the fan who won a part of a one dollar to win four hundred and seventy thousand, and no. it included and it included um, Alexa Grosso's win by submission. Oh my god! How about I, I that? Knew. And he and he turned it down to four hundred seventy thousand. Okay, so let me just let me just read this to you. Okay, it's okay. he has so so he made he made a couple different part of ways. This 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 guy's name's Andrew Collins. He's like a he's like a small time better that only makes these crazy part of ways and they never hit. But this time it actually hit. Okay, it's so let me explain. So part of way number one, Drink is due plus seeds win by KO or TKO in the second round. Cody Garbrandt to win by decision. Bo Nickel to win by submission in the first round. Rockmanoff to win by submission in round three. Grosser to win by submission in round four. And Jones to win by submission. $1 at plus 39974171 to win $399,472.71. Here's the next part away. Part away number two. Do Blessies to win via KO and TKO in round two. Garbrandt to win by decision. Bo Nickel to win by submission in round one. Rockmanoff to win by submission in round three. And Grosser to win by sub in round four. The only one he missed in that part away was that Rockmanoff did not win by decision or did not win by submission. He won by decision. So I just wanted to know, what did you think of the part away that won? And what did you think of him accurately predicting that Grosso would win in the co-main event in the way that she did? That's nuts. I I pay that man all his money because that's nuts. How the f- did he pull that off? Uh, yeah. By the way, it was confirmed by Connor Burks, showed on the MMA Hour on their best bet segment, and confirmed by DraftKings that the guy won. Oh my god! I that's insane. That's just as insane as the as the offset Alexa Grasso pulled off. Uh, now, granted, I thought, Zen, that Valentina, we talked about it, that this was kind of a must-win for Valentina after what happened with uh, Talia Santos. And Oh, wait, I don't, mean, I, don't, I don't mean to interrupt, but in the same article from MMA Mania, I've got bad news. They took out $120,000 in taxes when he won. I swear, I swear, not, not just for the tax purpose, but just like, some, you know, for fines and other stuff. I have told Nick Borgeson, we need a sound effect of the ca- of the reverse cash register. Because <laughs> that's just... Um, yeah, I agree. By the way, as of uh, March 5th, which was two days ago, this could be totally different now. He has $349,000 to play with. Just so, just, just so you know, how many, how many thousand dollars play with? Three hundred and forty-nine thousand. I mean, that's not bad, but still, <laughs> <laughs> that's not bad. <laughs> yeah, you can pay for a couple Super Bowl tickets with that. <laughs> I mean, that's not bad. I would have rather a million. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe, maybe next week Andrew Collins will hit one for a million dollars. We don't, we don't know. <laughs> oh, I, but yeah, 
I got to give myself the buzzer on that one. <laughs> like, yeah, that, that, that's a bad. You know, here I am. I I dream I could have three hundred thousand dollars. Uh, yeah, me too. I think a lot of people in our positions as freelancers do dream that we could have that kind of money, but unfortunately, we don't. <laughs> but I will say this though: um, this guy's Twitter account is blown up overnight. The one, the tweet that he sent out that he won got one hundred and fifty thousand impressions. Uh, that I mean, credit to that individual. But let's and, yeah. and he and he's followed by uh, MMA Gone Wild and Unbitter, two pretty legendary followers in a couple days. <laughs> Solid, uh, yeah, definitely made a made a name in the MMA community already. Um, That's for sure. But but I just had to I just had to relate it to Grosso because when I when I saw obviously that we were going to talk about, I'm like, oh, I can mention that guy because he won he won all the money. Yeah. Uh, as far as this fight goes, Dan, I mean, Grosso had a scare in the first round. Like, I, I thought that it's like, oh, well, Valentina's already down. But then Valentina started to work her way back in. And at round three, I'm like, okay, maybe this is just going to be, you know, one of those fights where Valentina just takes it to decision, but it's still a clear-cut win. And then Grosso, you know, scares her more, a couple more times. Scares over a choke towards the end of the third, and then just completely Zan. I mean, it wasn't even a choke; it was more of a crank. But I mean, did you see Zan the the fact that Grasso had her arm locked on Valentina for so long that you could see the mark completely on her face? She looked like, as Rogan said, Valentina looked like she was sunburned on her cheek. Uh, I'm going to be totally 100 percent honest with you. I fell asleep for half a second. Okay, I'm not even. I'm not even kidding. I fell. I I fell asleep for half a second, only to realize that she had one arm in. I'm like, oh my god, she's gonna win! And then of course she taps, and I literally think I woke my dad up because I was in such disbelief. I'm like, wait, she won! I couldn't. Be- I couldn't believe it. it was. It was a very weird submission iteration, if you will. Very very bizarre. A couple of people were saying that it looked like Valentina wasn't sure what to do. That. Because I thought she had tapped like a couple of seconds earlier. True. Um, but as far as this fight goes, I mean, credit to Alexa Grasso, completely shaking the world by storm. Um, first UFC women's champion of Hispanic heritage. Zen, we now have two world champions and an interim champion of Mexican heritage here in the UFC. Yeah, it's pretty unbelievable, is it not? And it'll set up for a colossal rematch, hopefully in Mexico City later this year, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, with the amount... Well, that was going to be my next question, Zan. I mean, with the amounts, you know, the fact that we've got Grasso as a champion now, we've got uh, Moreno, who is the... Moreno, who's the flyweight champion. You've got Yair Rodriguez, the interim champion. I mean, the UFC got has to be looking at Mexico City again for another card. Oh, one hundred percent. Dana White. Dana White even said that it was a, that it was a great idea. So, you know that when Dana White says something's a great idea, they usually do it. So, mm-hmm. uh, as far as the rematch goes, I do think Valentina, through her dominance as the only 
flyweight women's champion in UFC history if you don't count the uh, Nico Montano uh, experiment. Let's just call it an experiment. Uh, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It's an experiment to say the least, and um, and and for her sake, it's probably one of the saddest stories in all of MMA. Hey, we could spend hours talking about that, but nonetheless, yes, a rematch between Valentina and Alexa Grasso makes all the sense in the world. And if Valentina wins, it sets up a massive trilogy fight. So it should be um, a phenomenal next couple months for that division. And and of course, Tyler Santos is still waiting in the wings. So is Aaron Blanchfield. Yeah, Blanchfield it's, yeah. it's a very exciting time for a woman's flyweight. Uh, now wait, now wait. Do you do you try to remake Blanchfield versus Tyler Santos now? Oh, that now that this is the case, do you tr- do you try to remake the fight? You might have to. You might have to. I, I, unless Aaron Blanchfield's fine with just waiting even longer. Um, Which I don't think that I don't think that would be good for her number one contender status. I I think she I think she needs to fight I whenever. I, yeah, I think considering the fact that, you know, because now this is two fights in a row, Zan, where Shevchenko has looked bad. You could argue, and we both have argued, that she lost to Santos. And now here she is actually having lost to Grasso. That Santos can make the claim of, you know, that should have been me. So maybe you got to do Santos Blanchfield number one contenders fight. Guarantee that, the, guarantee them the winner of the Grasso Shevchenko rematch. Um, as far as Shevchenko goes, however, Zan, on the same note of this is now two straight fights where, you know, one fight she looked terrible and the next, the next fight she lost, you know, maybe you're right. Maybe she does win back the belt the next fight and sets up the trilogy. But if she loses, Zan, I think that's devastating for the career of Valentina Shevchenko in the UFC. Oh, you're saying if she loses again. Yeah, if she loses again, loses again which is going to be, you know, losing the rematch. And technically, you know, one of those things, Dan, where she, she lost three fights in a row in the minds of fans. Granted, it would, it would only be the two fights with Grasso. And, and and she lost um, to Nunes. To Nunes yeah. as well. And, and the fact that the UFC doesn't want to do Nunes-Shichenko three. So that's what I'm saying. If she loses to Grasso again, she loses the rematch. That's devastating. Yeah, and someone even asked Dana about like a potential trilogy still with Shevchenko and Nunes, and Dana pretty much shut that down the second the question was asked. I, so, Dan, I think the fact that she loses to Grasso the first time, I think that completely shuts down that possibility. I think so too. I can't, I, I, I can't disagree with that for a second. And, and now, Zan, here we are, because we had just mentioned last week too that if she won against uh, Grasso and she won against Aaron Blanchfield and if Whaley made another title defense that we could have been looking at a Whaley Valentina super fight and I think even then that's it's not completely out of the picture but this certainly damages it that you gotta- oh, oh, oh I think I think it's 100% out of the picture now so then now because so if you think about it Tom knowing the UFC's timetable we'd have to wait at least two years to see that fight now so then what do you do with Whaley you gotta keep her. You gotta keep her where she is. Who's gonna be next then in line for strawweight? You, you just, you just, you just gotta keep doing rematches, my friend. I, 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 that's, that's, that's how I like. I understand the argument of okay, you gotta keep her strawweight now, but I mean, number one is Carla Esparza. 
uh, and she ran through Esparza. Two is Rose. I don't know if I want to see Zhang Rose again. Uh, Andrade, we talked already about her loss. I mean, do you want to go with Amanda Limos or Marina Rodriguez at this point now for Whaley? Those two would be very interesting. I'd say more so Amanda Lemos than uh, than uh, 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 Rodriguez. I, I, that's what I've and that's the thing, Zan. I think UFC may not have a choice but to go with Whaley Lemos as the co-main event for some card now. Or you could make it a headliner overseas in Singapore too. For uh, I'd say maybe for a fight night card or something. No, do they wouldn't do. They wouldn't do a fight night championship fight. Nah, well, they wouldn't. Really, they, they really won her first title on a fight night championship fight. Oh, I know, I know. That was a long time ago. That, that was back when Fight Pass was actually airing UFCs to the whole world. If you could, if you could believe that. <laughs> All right, but shout out to Alexa Grasso. Unbelievable upset. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about the rest of UFC 285, Zan. Uh, Shavkat Rachmanov remains undefeated, and he wins against his biggest test, Zan, and Jeff Neal, pulling off uh, quite the submission in the literal last minute of the fight in the third round. Yeah, very impressive win. Um, and, and my and my uh, my apologies for... Um, for uh for miss saying his part away he actually won um he 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 didn't um he didn't just win um one part away he won two part ways off of a dollar so that was that the that was that was my bad so that's why they took out so much money in taxes is because he won he won over a million dollars and uh and uh in DraftKings wasn't gonna wasn't gonna buy it because it was two it was two separate uh part ways any anyway very very impressive. Rachmanov keeps his streak going. 17 fights, 17 wins, 17 finishes. In my opinion, the best fighter that no one is talking about. What do you what do you think? I think Zan, this again, I just said this was his biggest test. He has accomplished his biggest test. And as of the time we're recording this, Zan, uh where is he? I'm I'm trying to look at the rankings. Oh, I'm looking at the wrong place. Uh, Shafkat just moved up three spots in the UFC rankings. He's at number six, which means, Zan, I think it's time that, depending on how the rest of the welterweight picture plays out, it's time to give him one of these top, uh, top names. What do you think, Zan? Are you thinking of? Hmm. Oh, um. So I'm thinking probably Rachmanov versus. I mean, shoot. I mean, I think you got to wait to see how the top of the division plays out. What do you think of Rachmanov versus Stephen Wonderboy Thompson? I mean, if that's six versus seven, that's not a terrible fight. Uh, what do you think of Shafkov versus Remember the Name Bilal Muhammad? Uh, no, I don't want to. No, I don't want to see that because <laughs> I because I think Bilal Muhammad would 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 wrestle Shafkov to death. <laughs> That's what I. That's what. That's what I think. That would be. That would be a boring snooze fest. A couple of uh, other points from this fight, Zan. This certain fight of the night honors Jeff Neal missed weight, and he missed significantly by about four pounds when it comes to the non-weight. You know, obviously it was five pounds, but obviously you get the one-pound allowance for a non-title fight like this. Um, Yay or nay to Dana awarding him his fight of the night bonus still, even if he wasn't technically eligible under the rules. Dana White gonna Dana White. That's what, <laughs> that's 
right. That's what I'm going to say about that. that Zan, look, I'm, I'm, being, I'm going shopping, and I'm picking and choosing the kind of things that I want here. Very, very well, uh, very well imitated there, if I do say so myself. But what are we, Dana White's going to do whatever he wants, and it was probably the mood that he was in. Guaranteed if Jeff Neal won, I guarantee you if Jeff Neal won, he was going, oh, no, he's not getting his bonus. He would have gone crazy. I honestly think half of his decisions are based on what mood he's in for that day. I'm not even, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not even kidding. Wait, what? <laughs> I mean, if you think about, it, I mean, look at how many crazy decisions he's made over the years, and you you can tell whether he's angry or he's not. I really do feel like this was a decision made on gut instinct to give to give Neil his bonus money, given that he missed weight. I mean, I guess it's not technically too wrong. Uh. Let's talk about the because I'm trying to trying to bring up from fan side that the three things our article I wrote up about. Uh, sorry, I thought sorry, I think we're seeing what's me. I'm like, oh, oh, okay. Uh, I'm trying to bring up the uh, article I wrote for fan very recently on 285 about Dana White. It was the three things that we had learned because he was talking about. Um, the future of the welterweight division. Uh, while I look for that, let me just go to the point that I was going to lead up to, Zan. What are your thoughts on his comment that he hopes Hamza Chimaev permanently stays at middleweight? Oh, um, I hope he does too, because I think it's a better weight class for him. Really? Yeah, I do. Alright. Let me go over. The reason I brought the, the fan-sided stuff, uh, the article I wrote for fan-sided was because of... Okay, here it is. Let me load this up. Uh, so Dana White emphasized, okay. Oh, here it is. Uh, oh, because it was of Rachmanov's comments. Because he had called out Colby Covington. I know that Rachmanov and Covington were somewhat linked to 285. I had slipped my mind that Rachmanov called him out in the co- in the post-fight interview. And Rachmanov, and basically Dana was asked about that fight, Rachmanov versus Covington. And he said, yeah, I'm cool with it. He admitted that Covington, even though we hadn't seen him in a year, we haven't seen him since defeating George Masvidal, that basically Covington has accepted fights. It's just a matter of certain fights not playing out. And I guess part of that is Chimaev, you know, his desire for Chimaev to move up to middleweight, even though, Zan, if Kamaru Usman wins the belt back, the freshest matchup at 170 would be Usman versus Chimaev, unless you're going to give the title shot, unless you would give, you know, number one contender status. If Usman beats Edwards in a couple weeks, then to Bilal Muhammad. Um, exactly. So my question would be then for Jeff Neal, like, where do you think this loss puts him in your opinion? Zen. Zen, what am I doing? I am opening and closing the gate. I think he is a gatekeeper at this point. You think so? I think 
unless he can win a couple of fights, he is a gatekeeper. You think he's a worse gatekeeper than Derek Brunson? No. Because I think Derek Brunson and Jeff Neal, you know, are at two different points of their career. I think Jeff Neal, he's not going to be done for quite some time. So let's hold off on, let's hold off on that conversation. I just think, Zan, right now the next idea is, because Jeff Neal's still technically number eight in the rankings, but I totally see UFC next throwing him to somebody like Sean Brady or to Jack Della. Madalena or Michelle Perea just to, you know, do that whole thing, Zan, where you take out one older dog in, you know, to put over the young blood or the next up and comer. I could see I, that. Yeah. So that's that's just my thoughts on Neil. Matus Gamrod edged out Jalen Turner. I think Zan of the five main card fights, this was probably the weakest. Yeah. yeah. Um a rough decision, but good win for Gamrod. Uh, beat a guy on a similar skill level and a big bounce back win, although it was boring. Yeah, it wasn't the uh, wasn't the most exciting fight. Uh, just Gamrot as of this point now, Zan is ranked number seven at lightweight, so that puts him just out of the reach of Fiziev, who's ranked six, and Chandler, who's ranked five. So I think Zan that. You know, that Gagey Fizia fight is going to be worth watching in terms of what could be next for Gamrot. Agreed. Um, I think he'd rather want to see Fizia win than Gagey because of the better stylistic matchup that it would be. Uh, I could totally I could totally agree with that. I could totally be I'm totally on your side on that one. Uh of course, then the UFC two eighty five card kicked off in spectacular fashion with the debut. Of Bo Nickel, the three-time NCAA champion, who uh, scored a first-round submission about three minutes or so of Jamie Pickett. Uh, as I mentioned last week, this is probably the end of the line for Jamie Pickett now when it comes to the UFC. And for Bo, I mean, he's just getting started. It was a solid debut. Very solid and um, nut job or not. I mean, it was a very impressive win, and um, something that I think will be a good will be a good cornerstone because I think Bo Nickel is going to be like a Sean O'Malley. He's going to be like a rocket ship where he's only going to be on big fight cards, and I think we're going to see him on pay per views moving forward. Um, I will say this because we always like to give grades on this podcast mm-hmm. um, because this is like one of the last main card fights we were going to go over. By the way, congrats to Bo Nickel. Very impressive win. I do agree with you that Jamie Pickett should be on his way out shortly if he isn't already um, of the UFC. I think this grade for me is a B plus. I'm going to go with an A minus. I thought yeah. this was pretty solid. I think the only, like I said, the only slip up was the Gamrock fight with Turner. And I think a couple of prelims were decent. Um, as far as prelim performances goes in, Drinkus Duplessis, baby, the hype train rolls on. But yeah. now, for all seriousness' sake, I am a little concerned. He has now Drinkus Duplessis moved, been moved up to number six, which is great. However, he and Brunson put on a pretty sloppy fight, and you could see still that Duplessis gets gassed pretty quickly. 
So I'm very concerned, Zan, when they throw Duplessis in with somebody like a Marvin Vittori or a Jared Cannonier if Duplessis is going to struggle. Well, well said. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't disagree. Um, I do think though, Duplessis winning on a stage on on a card like a John Jones card is big. I think his name notoriety is only going to continue to get bigger after a fight like this. I think Zan, the next step for him, you know, granted if he's ready for the upper echelon of middleweight contenders or not, Zan, I think the next step for him is you got to have him headline a fight night card. Agree. Agree. Well, well said. I, I can't. I can't disagree. There, it's just a tough loss for for Brunson and um and one where you know you had you had hoped that Brunson would give Duplessis the toughest test of his career, and he failed to do so. So and 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 he's already said previously, Sam, that he only intended to fight one or two more times. So you question, especially after a loss like this, which probably is going to put him out of the title picture if this truly is the end. Derek Brunson, or if he's going to fight one more time and then say that's it. Uh, I could see, I could see him fighting one more time. I do too. Uh, Cody Garbrandt, much needed win. Trevin Jones, obviously, going to be out of his way of the UFC. Um, this was one of those cases, and where it wasn't the most exciting fight, but Cody Garbrandt did not need to fight an exciting fight. He needed to fight a fight where he could win. Uh, agree, and um, I think he was able to do that. And a win is a win, and it you know keeps him relevant in that division. But it was nothing that made you go, "Oh, wow, Cody Garbrandt's back." It was just a fight that he needed to win, and he took care of business. Uh, Tabitha Rishi, what a slick armbar on the early prelims! I think she is going to be somebody to keep an eye on. Um, agree. Very, very impressive uh, prediction that I got wrong. And I'm glad I did. She's going to be an exciting uh, prospect to watch in the months and years to come, for sure. And then, of course, Dan, we would be remiss if we did not talk about Ian Gary. Yeah, very impressive comeback win. Uh, his opponent gave him everything he had. But, man, I'm telling you, if Gary can have mine a fight night in Ireland, I think Irish MMA is going to be reinvigorated because I think he's one of those other rocket ship-type stars that – the UFC wants to keep building with every single fight. So good for him. Big, big win. Definitely. So solid card. Like I said, I think this card is going to be in the conversation, Sam, towards the end of the year for UFC fight card of the year. Uh, granted now, we have a couple of uh, cards to look this coming weekend. We've got on Friday night, Sam, we've got Bellator 292 which is going to take place in, uh, I believe it's San Jose. Yeah, it's going to be at the SAP Center. And Zan, this card is going to mark the kickoff for the Bellator Lightweight Grand Prix, which actually is going to be headlining the card, Zan, because our main event for this evening is Usman Nurmagomedov defending both lightweight championship against the former UFC and WEC lightweight champion, Smooth Benson Henderson. Uh, yeah, th- this should be a good one. Uh, hey God, look at those odds, man. Look at those odds. I, I-, I know. I'm very aware. Um, to say that about a UFC, a former UFC lightweight champion, it's pretty disrespectful, but you know how I feel about this fight. I'm going to lose Magomedov all the way. I think he finishes it within the first three rounds. 
I think Ben Henderson is just too old. The sports passed him by. I think this is the last big fight that we'll ever see from him. I mean, Zan, it sounds absolutely disrespectful to say, but I'm on the same page as you. I, yeah, I just, I, Usman or Magomedov, he's proving to be an absolute beast in the 155-pound division. He is, you know, of the Nurmagomedov name, and he is proving to be, you know, his own standout kind of star. Whereas Vincent Henderson, kind of as you alluded to, Zan, is kind of passing, the sport is kind of passed him by. Any of the big fights he has now, it's either, you know, lackluster in terms of the decision wins, or he gets, you know, completely dominated. Or in the case of the Chandler fight from 2020, completely gets knocked out. So, yeah, I'm going to actually agree with you, Zan. I am going to say Usman Nurmagomedov, he gets it done. And Zan, I want to have a look actually at the uh, little fight history right now with Usman Nurmagomedov. Uh, yes, yeah, decision, first round, first round, first round. Okay, you know what, Zan? I'm going to be a little uh, bold this week. I think Usman Nurmagomedov not only defeats Benson Henderson, I'm going to go with a first round sub. Okay, I could see it. Uh, of course, that's not the only lightweight Grand Prix fight we've got on this card, Zan. In the co-main event, we've got Tafik Musayev taking on Alexander Shabili. Shabli. Uh, in the other fight, and this one actually a lot more even. We've got a one plus one fifteen and a minus one forty five. Of course, Alexander on a big win streak. Uh, Tafik coming off, you know, uh, he is also on winning ways, although he does have the one loss on his record, which came uh in Ryzen, not in Bellator. So this is actually his second fight. Uh, Tafik in Bellator. He knocked out Sydney Outlaw in just 27 seconds. But Very impressive win. more of a Ryzen. Yeah, that's and true. And then Alex Shelby I... uh, winning straight against Alfie Davis, Bobby King, and technically a former lightweight champion in Brent Primus. True. Very true. Um, I think um, I think Shabili in the third round by TKO. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, I, I can't go against the win streak that Shabili's on, so I'm going to go with him. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to go with a third-round finish. I'm just going to go with a uh, decision. I, I'm going to play it safe, but I think Shabili gets the win in this one. Okay. I think um, I think the win streak um, is going gonna, is gonna to play a factor in the, in the Shabili fight, and we'll see, uh, we'll see who can finish who first, but I think for sure that fight's not going the distance. A uh, couple of other main card fights we got to look out for this card, Zan. We got Valentin Moldovsky taking on Linton Vassell. And now, Zan, that Ryan Bader uh, defeated Fedor to retain the heavyweight championship. And we saw Steve, I think it was Steve Mulry eat the L at that same card. This fight, Zan, all of a sudden, for better or for worse, and we kind of hinted at it. Uh, we kind of hinted at these two, Zan. We were talking about the Bellator heavyweight picture. All of a sudden, this is a contender's fight, basically. Yeah, I've got uh, I've got Moldovsky. I think he I think he wants another crack at Bader, and I think he's gonna get it. I'm gonna go with Moldovsky. I don't think he finishes Vassell, though. I think this is unfortunately one of those heavyweight fights that goes to the uh, to the boring decision. Unfortunately, I think the same way as you, and I think it'll be the worst fight on the card. And to think, Zan, the card is going to open with the highlight reel himself, Michael Venom Page. Taking on Goiti Yamauchi. 
And this is not a can that Michael Page is facing. This is actually some pretty legitimate. This is a pretty legitimate fight here. Yeah, I actually think that Venom Page gets beat. This is my this is my upset. This is my upset pick this week. Ooh, there uh, you go. And I think Zan, that's a real possibility. I mean, a guy five and a half years younger and such. Um, as long as Kosi Yamauchi can make the welterweight limit, yeah, I I th- I think I'm gonna go with. Yeah, I think he's gonna. gonna I say? think Michael. I think I think Venom Page is gonna overlook him. That's what I. That's what I think. You know what? I'll I'll go off of your confidence. I'll go upset city with you. I'm gonna go Goichi Yamauchi over Michael Venom Page. So that, of course, is the Bellator card. Uh, as far as the UFC card this weekend goes, a couple of big fights to uh, talk about. Well, you got a main event and a co-main event that are pretty much worth watching. But, Sam, the main event this weekend, oh, baby, you've got Peter Yan, the former UFC bantamweight champion, taking on Marab Dibalashvili, the teammate to Yan's old rival, the man who uh, took the belt from Yan, Aljamain Sterling, who, by the way, it looks like that fight between Sterling and Cejudo becoming more and more official as the, uh, you know, as the days go on. Uh, but- but as far as this fight goes, Zan, I mean, Peter Yan, Marav Dibalashvili, this is, if you like, if you like grappling, if you like the kind of matchup that is presented with the style of Peter Yan and Rob, oh boy, you're going to have fun. Oh, yeah. Um, I think Peter Yan gets it done. I just think championship experience is going to play a factor, but no doubt about it, Marav Dibalashvili, biggest fight of his career. Um. There's no way that this fight isn't boring. Two very high-level, technically skilled fighters with a lot of similar attributes. It should be a great fight. But I got, I got Jan. He's he's in desperate need of a win, and he's gonna he's gonna get it. He's in desperate need of a win. You're for sure. How considering that he's lost three of his last five. However, Zan, uh, for some reason, I think that momentum is going to hurt him. And I, I've got a feeling, Zan. I'm going to be on the Marab train. I'm going to go for the upset here that Marab defeats Peter Yan this weekend. And I think, Zan, well, let me ask you if Marab defeats Peter Yan, is that best or worst case scenario for UFC at this point? I should say best or worst case. Do you think UFC is hoping for one of these two, a particular one of these two to win? I think so. They want to try to avoid Marab versus Aljamain as much as they can. It's, it, they don't have to worry about that. Those two are never going to fight. Well, well, no, but you you might get into a situation where the welterweight division, or or, or um, yeah, I yeah, or, excuse me, the um, the bantamweight division is going to get cleaned out so much that th- those may be the only two guys left. So therefore, they're giving him Jan to maybe kind of feed into that a little bit and say, okay, if, if Jan wins, we'll, we'll never have to worry about this again. Uh, fair point. Pretty fair point, and you gotta you gotta hope on that part for the uh, for the UFC. Uh, interesting co-main event. Interesting co-main event. You've got Alexander, a battle of the Alexanders at heavyweight. Very bizarre. Uh, do you have a particular fight on this one? Do you think Volkov gets it done, or do you think Romanov is going to? Uh, obviously, he lost his last fight. Is he going to get back on his winning ways and show he's still coming up in this uh, division? No, I think Volkov is going to get a submission like he usually does, and I think he's going to win in the second round. Yeah, I, I'm going to yeah. go with the Drago finish as well. 
I, I agree with you. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, he's got. I mean, he's got. I mean, he's got forty-five fights, Tom. He's going. In, he's going into his forty-sixth fight. There's no way that experience doesn't play a factor in this fight because it surely does. It has to. One last question for me, Zan. Okay, March eleventh, Saturday, also marks the finale for Power Slap, which is no longer Whoa. a pay per view. By the way, it has been moved to Rumble. Will yeah, you so, for those, so for those who don't know, the Power Slap finale is on Saturday. It is after the UFC event is over, and it'll be on Rumble. There's eleven fights. There's a pre. There's the prelims. There's the main card. Um, I'm a bit of a sicko, and I will watch it because I am curious to see what actually happens and how it looks on TV. I know Mr. Tom over here is not going to watch it. I, no, uh, I haven't watched one episode, and I'm not going to watch this. But yeah, I will watch the Power Slap finale. Uh, I want to see how the likes of John Davis and others perform. Um, I'll see if they actually do what they say they're going to do. And it should be very interesting. By the way, that is uh, the, the stuff in MMA this weekend is not the big... It, it, it's not even close to being the biggest sporting event Um this weekend as it is, but if you want to watch some Power Slap that is available, and just out of, just so you guys know, it is free on Rumble. You do not have to pay for it. It is no longer a pay-per-view. I have a conspiracy theory about that. I think the UFC tried to go to TBS and say, hey, we want this on pay-per-view. TBS probably said, no, we're not going to air it. So they just went to Rumble and are like, you guys stream it? And they're probably like, yeah, of course we can like I said, I can't wait for this next attack ad, uh, a media attack ad by Dana White. Maybe you know, or I will be on it. Maybe I'll be, maybe, maybe you'll, maybe you'll be in it for, for quote, for quote, unquote defending him. You never, you never know. <laughs> All right. That's going to do it for this edition of the MMA Outsiders. Make sure you hit that like button. Make sure to subscribe and hit the notification bell again. So you get notified of everything here on the Empty the Bench Network, including our show, and everything else across the network. Follow us across social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at MMA, at MMA Outsiders ETB. Make sure to follow the network across social media, including on TikTok, at ETB Network. Uh, that's Sam Vando. You can find his work at uh, BJPen.com. You can follow him at SamVando99. I'm Tom Alvano. You can find my work over at Fanside at MMA. Follow me on Twitter at Thomas J. Alvano. You don't even need to, you know, you don't even need to worry about just the scrolling because now we have our uh, little headlines here with our Twitter handles there. Yeah, so those are those are headlines now. Those are going to be permanent. And uh, as a Twitter update, I did hit a milestone over the weekend. I have eclipsed three thousand nine hundred Twitter followers. I don't even know, I don't don't even know how that happens. So we're less than a hundred away from hitting the inevitable four K, which means the road to ten K continues. So I'm very excited about that, and I'm very excited about all the stuff that I may or may not have coming up. It's in the works that I can't really that I can't really talk about. But yeah, but I will say though, uh, thank you guys again for watching the show and supporting the show. Oh, we really appreciate it. We are doing everything we can to get Empty the Bench Network up to a thousand subscribers. So every single like, every single retweet, every single comment, every single winner actually does help. Um, to get Empty the Bench Network to the next level with where we want to go. So thanks again for tuning in. We will have a banger episode next week where we will cover everything that is UFC 286, which, Mm -hmm. of course, is headlined by some massive fights, of course, 
at the top of the bill, we have Leon Edwards taking on Kamaru Usman in the inevitable third fight on London soil with a special afternoon start time. We'll get into all of that and a ton more. And, of course, a recap of Bellator and UFC Vegas that's coming up this weekend. Again, that it's Friday and Saturday. Thanks again for tuning into the show. And, of course, before we get out of here, we want to leave you with one final message, as we always do every single week, be Joe Piper. Be Joe Piper. For Zambando, Antonio Dano. We'll see you next week. Take care, everyone. Take care.